listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here. And today, we're going to talk about what to do when a deal does not go according to plan. We got three scenarios we'll go through under contract, how to pivot, how to exit, because we often talk about how deals are good, but the reality is deals aren't always good and you have to adapt to reality or things don't go to your pro forma underwriting. I got my friend and co-host, Joe Massey. Joe, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Always appreciate it. You know, we've mentioned many times, but I love the way the studio looks. Such an upgrade compared to last year. Looks terrific. You're, looks like you're doing great. Business is going well for you and just grateful for everybody uh, joining us on the podcast and, uh, and watching and learning from us. And uh, hopefully they'll learn a little bit on what not to do today. I, I think they will because it, it's a really great dynamic for the people that don't know Joe. Joe is a great lender at Castle and Cook here in Denver. And so it's great because, you know, we're I'm on the real estate side or the, the, the agent brokerage side. We see our side of transactions. He's on the lending side. He sees his side of transactions. So it's a great like perspective because we see a lot of different uh, transactions from different perspectives. So, Joe, this is actually a great concept or a great idea for the top day on what happens when a deal goes sideways that you had while working out. You know, yeah. I was uh, riding my bike this morning and trying to come up with something to talk about and uh. said, what happens with bad deals? So set it up for us. What happens? Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about good deals. Today, we're going to talk about bad deals. And what you have to do is understand they're going to happen, right? We were joking before this. You said, well, we're not going to talk about bad deals. They never happen. That's like saying you've never been on a bad date. They happen, right? What are you going to do? You're going to figure it out. You're going to get through it and you get on, get on with your life and get on to the next good date, hopefully. Um, so you just have to deal with it, figure it out. And that's what we'll talk about today. So it's always when, not if. Yeah. When. Something does not go according to plan. Not if, but when. Yeah. I like to think that I'm a pretty savvy business person. I like to think that I'm a, a sound real estate investor. And I've gotten into bad deals. I've also gotten out of bad deals. I'm in a deal right now that's a little bit shaky. That's okay. I'm not nervous. I'm not upset. We're just going to figure it out. All right. So when we were talking before, I think we had three different scenarios we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. So the first one, and this is, you know, we look at a property, you know, underwrite it, walk the property. It looks good. You go to a contract mm -hmm. and then, oh, it doesn't match up with the expectations. Mm -hmm. You had a specific example in mind. What was that? Yeah. So this was a property that I went under contract on a number of years ago. So this is for you personally. This is my okay. personal transaction. Yep. I went under contract on this and I don't remember where I found it. I think it was maybe a wholesale transaction um, or maybe something that was like a fast close that had fallen out with somebody else. What year was this? 2015, probably. Okay, so about five, six years ago. Yeah, five, okay. six years ago, 2015. And uh, we got the property under contract. Price was great. Um, the spreadsheet, of course, we've all seen and used that. The numbers look great. It was a seven and a half, eight cap, right? You're like home run, thrilled to, to do this, right? And uh, no contingencies in the contract. I wrote the contract the same way I always do that, hey, we're going to do an inspection, um, but we're not going to object to anything. No appraisal gap, um, you know, because I'm using HELOC to pay cash for it, et cetera. So um, clean and simple. Yep, clean and simple, right? And so we go to do the inspection, or we are doing the inspection, and we find out there are sewer issues, there are issues with the roof, there's issues that were not disclosed by the seller, um, which happens, right? We know that's a reality that the seller's property disclosure is not always 100% accurate. It's usually blank. Yeah, it's often blank, right? And so all of a sudden we figure out this property is going to need twenty five dollars to $30,000 more than what we thought. 
And my criteria is I want turnkey properties that are $5,000 or less. Well, can I pause you here? Yeah. So you're going in there. What were you expecting for rehab? Like just for like actual like physical stuff yet? What I was expecting was minor, uh, $5,000 less. I was expecting paint carpet and like refresh um, the bathrooms. Like really, really minor is what I was expecting. We get into it, paint carpet, refresh the bathrooms. Plus there's plumbing issues. There's sewer issues, needs a new roof. um, Lots of problems with it. And, you know, we're getting the property at a big discount. Um, plug in this now $25,000, $30,000 worth of renovation, what looks like an eight cap starts dropping significantly. Um, also, one of the reasons why I don't like to do a lot of renovations is because it comes with unknowns, right? And at the time, I had not done a big renovation, kind of didn't really want to get into one. And so here we are, we're looking at it. This is going to need a lot more renovation than we thought, not nearly as good of a deal as we thought. So what did I do? Do you know? Uh I don't know this, but just knowing you, I'm guessing you terminated. I did. Because I st- it doesn't fit your buy box and you're very, you have your four bullet points and you stick to them mm-hmm. and your highest and best use is not rehabbing properties. It's That's helping right. people do financing. Yep. And so I'm assuming you terminated. That's exactly right. And I had spent $350 on the inspection and I had also $1,000 of hard earnest money that I could not get back. And I told my agent, who was Charles, actually, I said, you know what, Charles, this is outside of what I do. This is not going to work for me. And, you know, he did exactly what he's supposed to do. He said, hey, here's how much it would be to renovate it. This is what it is. Let's walk through the spreadsheet. You could potentially still make money with this. I said, you're absolutely right. I potentially could still make money with this. This isn't what I do. This is outside of my wheelhouse. I do not want to get into a bad transaction. So the cost of $1,350 for losing earnest money and losing inspection money, more than reasonable for me. I said, please cancel this. Give my apologies to the seller. I will sign the earnest money release. They can keep the $1,000. So so I'm going to um, kind of step back and go back to like a 40,000 foot view perspective. Yeah. One thing, I, we've known each other for about five years now, I believe. Yeah. And I mean, from like, basically day one, we got to know each other. Like you, you have a very specific set of criteria. Hey, Mm -hmm. here's my investing strategy. Here's what I do. Here's what I don't do. You're very black and white in that, which I think Mm -hmm. is great. And I encourage everyone to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have identified it and you stick to it, Mm -hmm. which is a great thing, which helps your decision process. So, Hey, you know what? This property is outside my buy box. No. Yeah. And it helps remove the emotions and helps you kind of save yourself from yourself and not getting something like, oh my goodness, why the hell am I doing this thing? Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. So you are very good at identifying things, but also sticking to it, which is a great just you know caveat as everyone goes into deals and properties. What are you doing? What is your criteria? What is the wiggle room? And what's outside that black and white box where it's like, you know what? It's outside of this. I get it. I'm committed. I've got a couple thousand dollars into it. They're sunk money. They're sunk mm-hmm. cost. You know what? Does not fit my buy box. Yep. And I, that's something that you've done a great job. I wish more people did that. Thank you. And and I want to be clear for listeners and viewers out there, it was not as simple as, okay, we're at the inspection. We figured out it was 25000 in rehab. See you later. Right? There was some agonizing over it. Right? There was, okay, maybe I should do this. Well, maybe this would work. Maybe I do want to do it. Yeah, what was your thought process it. on that? The thought process was not as simple as right now, like, oh, doesn't fit. Okay, cut it off. We'll see you later. Right? I did go through, hey, should I renovate this? Is this still a good deal? Does this fit? Could I do it? And as I spent time agonizing and thinking about it, I can't back to, well, wait a minute, I've got my investment criteria and that investment criteria is what I wrote down and what I decided on when I was not emotional. 
the, the my investment criteria, the rules that I put in place for my investing that I thought through in a logical manner and I know are going to get me to my end game. Now I've got a deal. I've got $1,000 in. I've spent a little bit of time, energy. I'm about to get emotional about this. I stopped and said, wait a minute, go back and look at the rules I already wrote down. And when I looked at those, it already had a roadmap of what I was supposed to do. And you had them written down back then? Uh-huh. I love it. Yep. Which now they're written down um, in the investing strategies book. In a right? public forum. In a pu- public forum. But you had them written down just in your own, uh-huh. whatever, Google Sheets or whatever you use, yep, right? Exactly. So I went back and looked and it says, don't buy this deal. Okay, great. That helped me remove the emotion and say, hey, now, wait a minute. I can get emotional about this. I've already decided this isn't the deal for me. And $1,000, that's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money for our listeners, a lot of money for me. But you know what? I said, I'm not going to pour $25,000 into a bad deal. Or maybe not a bad deal, maybe into a deal that's not right for me. Yes. Right? I'm not going to pour an additional $25,000 when it only costs me $1,000 to get out. Right? And so I just said, this is not for me. We'll see you later. And I put on, I always joke, put on your big boy pants, lose $1,000. And guess what? I was able to make more money on future transactions because I wasn't distracted by that one bad transaction. So looking back six years from now. Mm -hmm. You have no regrets about terminating. You feel Absolutely good about not. it. I feel very good about it. So this is just again going back to like the the big picture point of view. This is this is you know some great notes from Joe where he's event, he's identified his buy box. He's identified his strengths, which is buying more turnkey properties because mm-hmm. he's better at doing financing than rehabs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great reminder for people. Hey, figure out what you're good at, what you're not. There's no right or wrong. Uh, my investing strategies are very similar to Joe's. I'm not great at rehabs. I don't have the desire to do it, but um, you know, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not and stick to it and have that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So from, as you talk about bad deals, it's not just the deal, it's how it relates back to you, the investor, yeah. which you did a great job articulating. Thank you. So moving on to scenario two. Yeah. Um, I know you've got a few different projects you want to talk about here. Yeah. So scenario two, which this, one do you want to jump into? This one's a client. This one is a client who's probably listening to the podcast right now. We're not going to say his name, but um, as he hears about this, he'll know that it's him. This is a client that we helped buy a property. I think now it's been about six months. The yep. property looks great on paper. Great price, minimal renovation, great rents. We know the complex, great area. We've worked there many times. He's an active investor. Yeah, this is not his first rodeo. No, not his first rodeo. Goes out with you, goes out with Preston, looks at some properties, um, does his due diligence. We run across this property, plugs it into the spreadsheet. It's a regular six cap, six and a quarter cap rate. Good cash flow. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. Buys it, you know, all right, great. We shake hands at the closing. Love you. We'll see you soon. Let us know how it goes. He goes in, starts renovating the property, gets through his renovation. As he's there working, finds out that this area is not as desirable of an area as he thought. There was some gang activity going on. His vehicle was vandalized. Um, I don't believe they broke into the unit, but I think at one point he was worried that they were going to be breaking into the unit. Uh, yep. They they being just, you know, outside the criminals public. of the public, right? Um, there was some criminal activity in the uh, complex. And he reached out to us, um, completed his renovation and called and said, you know what, guys, I don't think this is a property that I want to maintain. I don't think it's a property I want to manage. I don't think that I feel comfortable um, running a tenant, a tenant-based business uh, in this property. Um, What do I do? 
And so he reached out to me. I believe he reached out to you as well. And Actually, yeah, Preston, but yeah, us. Yeah, he reached out to us. And uh, I think Preston gave him the exact same advice that I did, which was, hey, if you don't like it, let's sell it, right? Let's put it back on the market. Let's figure out what the value is. Um, it's now fully renovated. Um, you know, he got a loan through us and there's no prepayment penalties. He asked me about that. He said, am I going to get in any trouble? Do I have to keep this for any period of time? No, you sure don't. And he listed the property. I don't believe it's closed yet, but ultimately he's going to get out of the property and make a little bit. He's not going to kill it. I think he's into it for maybe ten dollars or $15,000 of renovation. Um, the property value has increased, right? Because right now we're all the beneficiaries of a good appreciating market, which covers, yep. lo- covers up a lot of errors. Um, in this case, I don't think he necessarily did anything wrong. I think he just got involved in it and realized, you know what? This is not the property for me. Um, other people could buy there. Other people could manage there, um, but it's not for him. And he's completed his renovation. He's got it back on the market. Um, I don't think it's closed yet, but he'll end up making about $8,000, $10,000 um, for his time in fixing and renovating this property. But he's going to get all of his down payment back, a little bit of profit, and then he can go find the next property. So... Uh, two things. So one kind of going back to the dating analogy. Hey, first date looks good. You're six months in. Oh, things aren't so good anymore. Yeah. And that just, again, re- that's reality. It happens. And good on him to realize, you know what? This just does not fit what I want to do. It's not a good relationship. Yeah. Like, exactly. Let's, let's exit before we get engaged or, you know, whatever the next analogy is on there. Yeah. So it's great that he identified that. Um, and even if it was just like a break even or you lose a few bucks, it's in my mind, it's better. You know what? This does not. It does not fit my buy box. It does not fit my my portfolio box. Let me just get out. Lose a few bucks. Who cares? Yeah. But since we've had this amazing appreciation, he had some value to it. He's getting out with a couple bucks, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's always good to look at from a long term perspective. Oh, should I hold this? Should I not? And you're worried about a few dollars in in cash flow now or some sales costs. But in ten years, over like what you can do with that capital and the mental stress and the yeah. emotional stress people have, how much can you quantify? Okay, okay, I might lose $5,000. Well, $5,000 amortized over 10 years of emotional stress. Um, you know, I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning worrying about Worry a about very it. silly problem. Yeah. Um, but similar things, like, that's worth a lot. Yeah. So it's great that he did it. He's great to identify it. It's great that he then he reached out to and talked to you, talked to Preston, talked to the people, and bounced off his team. Hey, Guys, here's what I went in with. Here's what's going on. I'm thinking this. Be sounding board for me. Yeah. And you know what? While it's not ideal, it's the right move in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And he did something that I really like, which I wanted to add this at the end. So don't let me forget. If you get into a bad deal, don't be embarrassed. Call your advisors, (laughs) right? Call your advisors and say, hey, you know what? I think this is a bad deal. And I need you to look at this from an outside perspective. Call your agent, call your lender, call your partner, call the people that you've met at other real estate investment conferences, call your advisors, call your mentor and say, don't be afraid to say, you know what? I think this is not a good deal. Can you look at this for me? Um, I have friends and people that are more successful than me, people that are less successful than me that call me all the time. Hey, will you look at this deal with me? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. And sometimes I'm like, hey, I think it's great. It stinks, whatever, right? Look for that outside advisor to give you opinions on what to do. And listeners, I mean, if you're in a sideways deal, call Joe, call yeah. me. Like, we're happy to talk about it. Like, to be very frank, that's one way we earn our, we earn business and we yeah. prefer you know, provide value in the marketplace is I know, you know, every month I talk to people, I think you do as well. Just, yeah. Hey, you weren't involved in this transaction, but here's what's going on. 
Joe, can you help me? Give me your perspective on there. Yeah. Um, and we're always happy to provide that because, hey, we'll give you our two cents. Take it, leave it, whatever you want. But we will give you our opinion on there and help you hopefully give you some context as how does it fit in what you want to achieve for your goals? I received a really nice compliment uh, recently. I was at, uh, at a meeting with probably 20 real estate investors and um, they had an issue and they were going around and chatting about it. And one of the gentlemen there, he said, you know what? He said, you know, Joe has X number of properties, which is less than a lot of the other people in the room. And he said, but I'd really like to hear what Joe thinks. He goes, because he looks at more transactions than all the rest of us combined. And that was a really nice compliment. And I said, you know what? I really appreciate that because I do. I don't, that doesn't mean I personally do more because I don't, but I see a lot of transactions. I'm aware of a lot of transactions and I talk to a ton of people. So it's a really nice compliment and exactly what you said. If you've got an oddball deal, you're not sure what to do, give us a call. We'll chat with you. We'll spend time. Now, obviously I would love to earn your business and do a loan. You would obviously love to earn their business and, and help them buy a property, but we see a lot of transactions. So that was a really nice compliment that I received. And it's just a good reminder. We see and are involved in a lot of transactions. We might've seen what you're going through before. Yep. Or we might know the complex, we might know the neighborhood. Like there's a lot of other stuff that just, you know, this is your, you know, my 60 hours a week, your 60 hours a week. Like, yeah. you know, you get a feel for the market. That's right. All right. So anything else to talk about this scenario for this investor and, hey, bought a property, looked great, rehabbed it, watched the rehab, literally looked at the back, honey. Oh, wow. There's activity out there involved that I don't want to be involved with. I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and he pivoted. Great for him to have yep. that self-awareness. Anything else to talk about or key takeaways? Um, I think the key takeaway, he didn't overextend himself. He yes. wasn't in a position where he couldn't sell the property, right? He made a down payment. He funded the renovations with his own cash. He was able to sell the property and he didn't have every single nickel of his investment portfolio tied up into this. So he had cash reserves. Yeah, he had reserves. And right? then we talked about this once or twice or 900 times. Yeah, reserves are important. It's not just important to qualify for the loan. Reserves are that Advil that you have over here in case a headache comes up, right? <laughs> I can take that Advil and solve the problem and solve my headache. Um, so reserves are important and he was not overextended. All right, so moving on to snare three here, and I think this is a transaction that you're you're involved in as well, a yeah. commercial property that, mm -hmm. hey, ha here's the plan. Reality is a master plan. You're pivoting. Talk about that. Yeah. So myself and a couple partners purchased a property um, that uh, on paper, of course, looks great. We bought it for a super discounted price. It was a nine cap when we bought it. And uh, we bought it in December of 2019. Well, what happened in March of 2020? COVID occurs. And this is a, a small commercial building, um, three stories, you know, good solid construction, no major issues with the property, but all of a sudden you start getting vacancies. You start getting businesses going out of business. You start getting people- So this is that, office space. This is office space. Yes, I forgot to mention that's office space. Um, you start getting businesses that can't pay, businesses that need to leave, businesses that are now working from home. Well, can I, I'm uh, sorry, what, what, uh, when you bought it, like, what was the approximate like vacancy? And, and after that yeah. happened, like how would just, if you can get some numbers or more. Absolutely. Context. Yeah. Vacancy. When we bought it, it was 25% vacant. Okay. 
And um, it was cash flowing, right? We got to have a, a financial or a, a great uh, lender that we work with um, at a local bank. And they you know, were able to finance it for us. We put an appropriate amount of money down. We didn't overextend ourselves. And the property's cash flowing and, and making actually really good cash flow when we bought it. Our plan was to make really minor renovations, nothing exciting. Again, we all know I'm a turnkey guy, but my partners have experience in renovations make some minor renovations, spruce up the property, get it up to 90, 95% occupancy and resell it. Pretty simple business strategy in commercial. It's basically a fix and flip, um, but fix and flips in commercial take a couple years. Yeah, they, they, they take time. Yeah. It's a longer play. Yep. And so that was the initial plan, um, which was going great. We buy it. We're doing some renovations. We've put in appropriate cash to do new lighting, new bathrooms, you know, the things. So good cosmetic remodel. Yep. Cosmetic, nothing exciting. COVID occurs, people start losing their jobs. Businesses go out of business. We start getting vacancies. Currently, the business or the building is about 60% occupied, roughly 40% vacant. So, so you had about 15% increase in vacancy. Mm-hmm. We went the wrong direction. Yes. All right. We, out of your control, though, right? That's right. We're not in control of that. We're going in the wrong direction. Um, we also have had one of our major tenants uh, leave. We've been, of course, filling some space, but we've had one of our major tenants leave due to disagreements with other tenants in the building, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, we can't control that. We're not there every day to make sure everybody plays nice so in the sandbox. you're being an RA now in college. Exactly. Yeah. That's the last thing I want to do is be a resident <laughs> advisor. Um, but here's the great news. The, biz, the property is still covering, right? Because we bought it. still it, covers your debt service. Covers the debt service, right? We don't have to put any money in to pay the debts. We don't have to put any money in. We had to put money in to renovate it. But the rents that are coming in are covering the debt, doing exactly what it's supposed to do because we underwrote it appropriately when we bought it, that there's some room if things don't go exactly the way as planned. So we're close to two years since you and your partners closed on the property. Mm-hmm. Um You've been dealing with this. What what's the pivot or what's the plan? Because obviously, just it sounds like there's a pivot or plan here. Yeah. So we've learned that office space doesn't do great in this area. Um, and can you tell what submarket it's in? Can you share that? Uh, yeah, it's in Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah, it's in Colorado Springs, and uh, we've learned that office space in this localized area, not just Colorado Springs, but this localized sort of one mile radius, doesn't do great. So, like, why are you saying just in this in this very, you know, niche geographic area mm-hmm. for whatever reason it just is office space is not fit there? Yeah, why I don't know the answer to that. Okay, um, but that's it is it is okay. Right. That's what matters. You and don't we know have, why, but it is. It's, yeah, we don't know why. And what we've learned is there's other offices in this hyper local area that are experiencing high vacancy as well. And I don't know. I do know that there's um, some homeless pe- uh, activity in the area. Um, it's not close enough to the highway. It's not um, an area that's just super conducive for uh, there's parking profitable. Issue uh, there's a parking is a little bit of an issue. Okay. It's not super conducive for highly profitable businesses. Now, the rents are really low. Right. And and the property works with really low rents. It's one of the reasons we liked it because it is the lowest rents anywhere in Colorado Springs. But a lot of those Wait, even with the lowest rents, you're still at a forty percent vacancy? Yeah. You know why? Because somebody that can afford really low rent can also work from home. Oh. 
Yeah, that's I, I I don't know that space very well. That's I don't either. I'm learning. I can about it. yeah. <laughs> so is your bank account, right? <laughs> right. Um, my bank account's not learning about it because you know why? I bought the property at an appropriate price. And it worked for yeah, and did you then you even perform in this wiggle room in here for if, if things drop, like mm-hmm. we'll still be good? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. And you know who else did? Our lender. Mm. Right? Because who am I counting on? Who's one of my advisors? The bank. Making sure I'm not getting in trouble. The bank. Yeah. Right? And so they asked for a large down payment. They asked for appropriate debt service coverage to make sure that if we get into trouble, they're not calling me every 30 days asking me to make a payment. Was it just, I mean, a 25% down payment for just percentage Uh, It was 30%. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, in Hyper reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That's very reasonable. I mean, 25 to 35% is very reasonable in the current, you know, Current space right now for commercial, mm-hmm. even pre-COVID, 25 to 30% yep. was the range, and now yep. it's probably a little bit higher. All right, so you've got this, um, just, you know, a confluence of events of COVID, hyper-local market, all stuff going, the, the trend is not going your way. No. What are you and your partners doing? So we are looking at alternative options. Should we sell the property right now, probably at a loss, right? Pretty significant loss? Uh Probably 10 to 15%. Okay. All right. Should we do that? So you'd be bringing some money to closing then? Uh, we'd probably not bring money, but we wouldn't get the bulk of our down payment back. Okay. Yep. Um, so should we sell the property and lose money? Should we continue on the same path that we had of trying to uh, fill it with commercial tenants? Which sounds like the definition of insanity. Because we've been doing that. If you keep the doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. That's the definition of insanity. That's right. Or do we convert this property to residential? Um, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a housing shortage. And (laughs) (laughs) would it make sense to put some additional money into this transaction to convert it to a residential property, which we've learned recently that the zoning actually allows for and is a very simple process in the Colorado Springs market. Um, So do we put some money into this to convert it to a residential property? And if so, how much money do we put in and what would that exit look like? Would we continue to just rent it out indefinitely? Would we continue on the fix and flip phase of getting it fully occupied and then sell it? Um, These are all the things we're considering. So which door are you most likely to go through? Probably door number three. So the convert to resi. Yeah. My, my partners and I um, all have adequate capital to do that if we need to. Because um, I'll take a, a capital injection. I absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The, the bank, of course, would help us finance some of the renovations. Okay. But we would have to put in additional capital, right? Because we're now asking the bank for more money. What do they want? More down payment. They want to get in the game. Right. Which I don't blame them. I'm, I'm the same way. Yep. Um, so fortunately, myself and my partners have additional capital if we need to do that. Um, scenario number two, we could continue to just beat our head against the brick wall um, and try and continue to fill it with commercial tenants. However, myself nor my partners are insane. So we're probably not going to do that. And uh, the scenario number one of selling it at a loss, is that an option? Yeah. But because we have not overextended ourselves and we have cash available to look at an alternative solution, the worst solution of selling it at a loss is not something that we're forced to do. We have other options to get ourselves out of this bad deal. So that's great. So you've, you've mitigated your downside. Mm-hmm. And looking at the options on here, what's the time, the, the turn time for converting to Resi? 
All right, so this is where my inexperience is vast. Um, so this is when your partners, they're they're more experienced than that, I would say. That's right? exactly right. Yep. Um, I would guess about a year, but I don't know because I'm not an expert on renovation. I'm certainly not an expert on commercial renovation. Um, but my best, I don't know, it feels like, everybody that's on the podcast, you can't see me doing air quotes. It feels like a year, but I have no idea. Okay. So it sounds like the trajectory heading on is to convert to Resi, right? Probably. Okay. Because it makes the most sense based off of the market, mm -hmm. based off of the experience of the owners, mm -hmm. based off the capital resources of the owners as well. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to weigh is like, there's, there's, you know, you're in this situation versus me versus a listener on the podcast. We're all in different situations of our lives, capital, this, this or that, or whatever experience. And this where it becomes very nuanced as to how does this relate to you personally in context with the market? Because no matter how hard you try, I imagine that you're not going to change that half a mile radius where for some reason, office rents are just subpar. Yeah. And it's just like, you know what? We can try to swim upstream or go with the, go with the flow. Yeah, with the stream. And you're going with the flow. Yeah, the stream is already going the direction it's gonna go. I can paddle upstream, yep. I love that analogy. I can paddle upstream or I could go with it. You know what, now that we know, and here's the thing, when we jumped in, we didn't know which way the stream was going. Now we know, we've been fighting upstream. Do we continue to do that? Maybe, or maybe let's turn the boat around and go in a better direction. So can I, I want to pivot and ask you real fast, because yeah. I mean, you know, you, again, you as a lender, you see, um, at a, a very successful lender, you see a ton of transactions. Yeah. And then you as, you know, Joe, the investor, you're doing your own stuff here too. What are just some very high level takeaways for people to do partnership? Because we did a, a series or a podcast last week with someone, um, she lives in Nevada. She's asking, we spent an hour talking about partnerships. Mm -hmm. I'm curious from your perspective, you've done solo stuff, you've done partnership stuff, high level. What makes sense to you from a partnership perspective? Like when you say, hey, this is a solo Joe thing or, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know uh, Joe family thing, or this is a partnership thing. What do you look for? I look for somebody that I trust, number one. Um, you have to trust them implicitly just as much as you trust your spouse, because you're now married to that person, even though it's a financial marriage, you're now married to that person. Yep. Do I trust they're going to make good choices? Um, number two, are they financially solvent? Do they have enough money that if we have to pivot and we have to do something else with this property, do they have additional capital that they could invest into this? If they're using all of their money to do this one transaction, that doesn't sound like a great partner to me because what if something goes wrong? All of a sudden now I'm going to be on the hook You're right to invest check. more money. That's right. So are they financially sound? And then are they bringing value? And my partners in this are bringing a ton of value. They're very smart business people. Um, again, I like to think I'm a smart business person. Um, they see, and I, I here's the other important point. I assume they're doing the same analysis on me. I assume they're looking at, do we trust Joe? Does Joe have capital to invest? Does Joe bring value, right? So being open and honest with my partners is also critical and saying, you know what? I think this is a good transaction or I think this is a bad transaction or I don't know. And I've actually said that to these partners. They've asked me, hey, Joe, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not qualified to actually answer the question and anything I make up would be a lie. I have to have the confidence to say, I don't know. And they it's don't also judge me good for that. that you're able to just say, you know what? I just, I don't know, which is, uh, yeah. It's not like that doesn't build up your self-confidence, but it's also, it's it's the best answer in that 
transaction or that partnership is, you know what? I don't know. Here's my thoughts, but here's the asterisk. Again, I don't know. Yeah. And that that self-awareness is such a huge thing that as I've gone through various partnerships, you know, good and bad, yeah. business and real estate that I've really appreciated um, in myself and other people, just, you know what? I don't know. So I think having that quality is, is a great thing to talk about. Yeah. I don't believe in lying. And sometimes people ask me a question. I'm like, I have no idea, man. Anything I tell you would be a lie and I'm not comfortable doing that. So I don't know. And I say that to my partners, not frequently, because I usually have an opinion or have some thoughts around it. But every now and then they ask me something. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I could think about it and maybe give you an opinion, but it's probably not educated. But that's the appropriate answer. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're being honest, which, again, it's not fun in the time. Of the moment. No one likes to admit, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but from a long-term just relationship building standpoint, you know, uh, you're your brand around mm-hmm. the you know the marketplace it, it it matters and over 10 20 30 years it compounds and yeah the ability you know what i don't know today in two three four years people appreciate that and they say you know what cool i know what joe does i know what joe doesn't does here's what joe's great at yep. here's why i want to bring joe in a deal right um all right so we went through great we went through three great scenarios joe of what to do when we're you know all have these great expectations and performers of what we're going to do here for buying a property, mm-hmm. going under contract. Great. How to exit, how to look at that. Hey, you're, you're, you're closed on it. Okay. Now things are pivoting all this. Any final closing thoughts or words of wisdom that you want to share? Yes. Don't be afraid to lose a small amount of money in order to prevent yourself from losing a large amount of money. That's great. Number one, don't be afraid of losing a small amount of money in order to prevent losing a large amount of money. Number two, don't be afraid of canceling a transaction, right? Whether you're selling it after you've bought it, um, whether you're canceling it before you buy it, if you get into a bad relationship, going back to our dating example, don't be afraid to break up, right? Not every property is a good property. Hey, you're 10 days before the wedding. Yeah. You Sometimes know what? You're, if you got to cancel it, right? If this is going to be a bad marriage, cancel it before you get married. Yep. Right? So if, if you find out this is going to be a bad property, don't be afraid to cancel it. If you already own it, don't be afraid to sell it. Um, and then I think the most important one, don't over leverage yourself. Don't overextend yourself. If you're putting all of your eggs into this basket of this one property or this one earnest money check, this is not the right property for you. If you are having to overextend too much, you're putting yourself at a really high risk and that's going to cause you to make bad decisions. No matter how good the deal is. No matter how good yeah. the deal is, right? I'm sure there are deals on, I don't know, luxury high-rise condos that you could buy 80 stories in, I don't know, Dubai, but that is outside the realm of what I do. No matter how good that deal is, I should not be staking all of my money on it, right? So you need to stay within the realm of what's appropriate for what you're buying. Joe, great closing tips on there, or great tips for as we ride out the podcast, I should say. Um, I want to plug back into the book that yeah. you've been a, a contributor of the last three years and going on to the fourth year. I know you're already going to be tributing to it in the 2022 edition of our Colorado Investing Strategies. Joe and I are both big fans of like writing out your strategies. Mm -hmm. What Joe has talked about today is just, I mean, case in point as to why you figure it out and you write the damn thing down. Figure it out, what you want to do, what fits in there, what's in the gray area, because it helps so tremendously when, not if, but when things don't go according to plan. Yeah. So everyone out there, whether you contribute to the book, we would love you if you did. Yeah. 
write your strategy down. Really figure out what your buy box is, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Like figure it out because it'll help you out tremendously. It helps you in deals. And if you want to publish it in the book, yeah. do some public promotion on there and public accountability. So, Joe, give me your your last final thoughts on why someone should contribute to our 2022 edition, which I still can't believe we're about to start getting chapters for and writing it. Yeah, you know we're at the end of September here. What should people do? Um, you should, why should they? Why should you? I, I love writing down goals. No matter if I have a goal of losing 10 pounds, if I just if I don't write it down, it's not a real goal. It's just a dream, right? But if I write it down and then I share it with somebody and then I make a plan on how to execute it, I have a lot better chance of losing my 10 pounds versus if I just say, well, maybe I want to lose 10 pounds, right? It's just like anything else you're doing in life, your real estate investing journey, you should write it down. You should talk about it. You should share it with other people, share it with people in the book because A, it's going to hold you accountable and B, other people are going to learn from it. And that's a big part of what we do. Obviously, I want to do loans. Obviously, we want to sell real estate, but we also want to give back. I enjoy this. I talk about this stuff. We dream about it. We, you know, we hang out at happy hour. What do we talk about? Real estate, right? We're not, yep. we're, this is what we do. And so if this is what you're passionate about, if this is what you enjoy, or maybe you're brand new, that's okay too. I guarantee there's other brand new people that are reading that book and they would love to see goals from somebody who's brand new. So I, I, I just highly encourage it. I enjoy it. It's fun. It takes a couple of hours, but it's uh, very rewarding for me. Well said. Thank you. All right. So listeners out there, if you guys have questions on how to get a, 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 you know your financing in place, talk to Joe, talk to me and my team for real estate stuff. If you are in a situation where you're like, oh my gosh, this is not going according to plan, hey, reach out to Joe, reach out to me. We'll do the best we can in this situation, give you our advice. Yep. Uh, sometimes you are limited by you know regulations and rules, but we'll do the best we can. We're happy to give you our two cents, the wisdom that we've gained over our years of you know wins and losses and help you out with that as well. So Joe's contact details are in the show notes. Mine on there as well, or of course, Google us. Yep. And Joe, I always enjoy and appreciate the podcast and the wisdom that you bring to us. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I super love doing these. Thanks for the invitation and look forward to the next one. All right. So guys, we'll see you next episode.